Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook, or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. Um, well, first, I'm TJ, clearly not Brian, as you can tell by the barely making it over this podium. Um, <laughs> I'm the creative director here at Coastline, which is really just a fancy way to say that everything you see in here is probably me. Um, I have an amazing wife, Megan, and uh, two little boys, Dallas and Nash, one of which is being grumpy. I think there's pictures. Yeah, there they are. Yeah. You guys ever want to... Uh, go on a little thrilling adventure. You should take uh, pictures, family pictures on the side of a mountain with a toddler. <laughs> Almost lost him a few times. Um, in June of this year, I'll have been here uh, for five years. And something that you, well, there's a lot of things you're going to find out you don't know about me. But one of the things is that before I came here, I was actually a youth pastor. Um, and I'm sure you, knowing me, are kind of shocked to hear that because I don't do a lot of talking to people, and I used to do that for a living. And I understand that that's odd, but we'll kind of get into that later. Um, a couple more quick things and something to break up the nerves that I'm feeling right now. Um, I am a massive fan of basketball, not that anyone really cares, but we're just going to talk about it. Um, and what I love about basketball is I get to watch it with my family, which I am the, shockingly, oldest of six People, six boys, no girls, it's just us out here. Um, and I feel like I found a pretty good video to describe what that was like being the oldest. So we're gonna watch that real quick. Hey, wanna hear the most annoying sound in the world? Does anyone want to guess which one I am? <laughs> so I am, I'll be 35 in July. How old is my youngest brother since my mom decided to show up? Thanks for that. How many? 13. My youngest brother is 13. It's gross. <laughs> that was quite a day, finding out about that. <laughs> um, all right, so when I was asked to speak uh, during this series on Sermon on the Mount, I didn't really know what I was going to say, because I have not done this in a very long time. And to be really honest with you, I kind of thought I left this life behind me um, when I left the church that I was at. Um, Brian presented me with some content that um, hopefully I'll be able to kind of work my way through and have you guys understand. Um, but through that, I kind of want to tell my story, because... I've been here for a long time, and like I said earlier, I don't do a whole lot of talking to people. So um, I'm hoping that I can give you some context of the scriptures and kind of um, my story and help you through yours. Um, Matthew 5.19 says, So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So this part of his Sermon on the Mount is um, surrounding laws that we had already received through 
you know, Old Testament laws and things of that nature, but he, he got there and decided that he wanted to elevate these laws uh, based on him actually speaking them. Um, and for me, the word law, when I read it in the Bible, gives me a little bit of anxiety. There's some anxiousness and some whatever. And I can already tell the people that do actually know me are not shocked that TJ had anxiety about something. But this is a little different because I feel like um, when you read it in the Bible, you think like this is, this is God speaking. This is, this is the rules and regulations that have been laid out for you and not so much what it actually is, which is tools to help you live a better and happier life. Something that's important to me, and I used to talk about this in our youth group, is um, context in Scripture, both kind of the context behind what the Scripture is talking about and even where it's placed within a passage. Um, and I'll talk a lot about context today because I do love context. Um, the context of this part of the Scripture isn't like a normal, like a teacher or a police officer or someone of power giving you a rule or a regulation or something like that. It's a goal for you to live by. You know, we, he, gives us, he gives us these laws to have a goal for us to live like Jesus did and not, what it's not is an expectation to live perfectly because we're not perfect. And a lot of times reading through these laws and these, these things that he lays out, there's a, there's a feeling inside that you might need to live perfectly or you're not gonna make it, which is just not true. Uh, the truth is, is that he's describing a way that we need help. We need help through Jesus to fulfill these laws as he fulfills them. There's gonna be times when we fail and when we need to ask for forgiveness and repent, and that's not failing. And according to God's laws, it's not failing. We are we're following what he laid out for us. We weren't, we weren't meant to do this alone. We weren't meant to not ask God for help. Matthew 5, 21 through 22 says, You have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, even if you are angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. All right, who's ever murdered somebody? Anyone? Nope. So this, to me, is a little frightening because it compares being angry to murdering someone, right? And if you've been angry before, you might feel like, well, there it goes. I'm done. I was angry today, so there's no hope. That's where I was talking about context. It's important. The goal isn't to live a perfect life, but to live as close to the life as Jesus lived as we can. Something that, um, something that I believe really strongly and I talk about it a lot with the people that know me, and I used to talk about it a lot in youth ministry, is that there's a lot of teachers or leaders or influencers or whatever you call them anymore that do a good job communicating their message and not the message that the Bible is actually saying. Um, I think sometimes it's because that the context of the, the Scripture is not always all that pretty compared to fitting your narrative. Um, my favorite example of this is, has anyone ever seen or heard a message or a social media post or anything uh, surrounding Jeremiah 29.11? It's the most warm and fuzzy verse in the Bible. 
For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. You read that by itself, and we're good. Everything's fine. There will never be anything wrong, and you will live a life that is fulfilled with God. But the truth is that if you go back even just one single verse to Jeremiah 29.10, you can provide context. And if you just say 29.11, it's not necessarily fair to the people you're speaking to, because there is great context in this entire passage. So starting at verse 10 instead, it says, this is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In this moment, Jeremiah is writing a message that he has received from God about the Israelites who are in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. That's seven, zero, 70 years. They were in captivity and stuck. And we get angry if we have to wait in line at Starbucks. Or I got angry today because someone was driving really slow on the way here and I was running late. There is always a hope in the future. There is, there is a plan through everything you go through. But it's not going to be without trial. It's not going to be without tribulation. God never says that you're not going to face troubles and you're not going to face these things. Um, I chose a passage from the Sermon on the Mount that talks about anger because it's, uh, it's very specific to me. And I told you guys I wanted to talk to you about my story and um, kind of how I ended up here. And um, anger has been a little bit of a constant battle in my life. And see, I told you it was either going to be the shortest message you ever heard or the longest one you ever heard. Um, my story is uh, not pretty by any means, and it's, um, it's one that I do have a hard time talking about, and it, it might generally be hard for some people to hear because you've experienced some of these things. But when I was looking over um, having to speak today, I felt like I've been here a long time, and I made a few good relationships, and you know I hope to make more, but I haven't, no one really knows anything about me. I'm just the, the guy that runs around like a chicken with his head cut off trying to fix things. Um, so that's what we're going to do here. There's a few specific moments in my life that I feel um, a seed of anger was kind of planted in me and then grew into something that was, that was out of control. You weren't supposed to be here, weren't they? Um, okay, I'm good. When I was eight, uh, when I was eight years old, uh, I was coming home from school one day, um, me and my mom, and we walked into the house that day, and uh, we found my father having passed away um, there in our house on the floor. He had, uh, he had been through a lot as far as his health goes. Um, he was like one of the very first people around here, at least in this area, to get open heart surgery. He dealt with a lot of heart issues and 
you know, once the, once that surgery was over, we kind of we kind of felt like it was all good. You know, he came out and started to get healthy and get back into shape and all that, and um, he ended up having an aneurysm that you know no one could have caught at the time. But I spent a lot of years being mad that we were late or we could have gotten there faster or I could have gotten to the neighbors faster to call someone and hopefully get him help. But it was, it happened instantly. And um, that's kind of where I started to get angry. And I had a lot of issues after that as a child being angry and struggled through that. My wife and I got married in 2010, right? Yeah, 2010. <laughs> that would have been bad. Um, and not too long after we got married, we, uh, we were expecting a baby, and it was so exciting. I went and told my mom, I went and told everybody, I went and told uh, my coworkers, and we had a party, and it was a whole thing. We started picking out all the stuff, and the, the names, and the colors, and the, you know, which room was going to be which one, and... It was so exciting. Uh, we went in for a checkup one day, and we went to get a sonogram, those cool 3D sonograms where you see the face and the detail and all that stuff. And the, uh, I don't know what those people are called. What are those people called? They do the sonograms? She, that lady, called in the doctor and um, you know said that there wasn't a heartbeat anymore. Um, and we had lost the baby. Which at the time, I was able to navigate fairly well. You know, I had to be there for my wife, who was going through the hardest thing she's ever had to deal with, and um, kind of grieve on my own in my own time. But I just kept getting angry. I just was angry, angrier and angrier and angrier. But I kept pushing it down and fighting through and trying to get better and, you know, try to do it all on my own. I have a date for this one. On November 23rd, 2015, um, I got a phone call from my mom that I don't think any amount of preparing could have ever prepared me for. Um, I was sitting at our apartment at the time with our friends and um, I got on the phone and my mom was crying so I stepped out and I remember sitting on the stairs of the apartment because we lived on the second floor and finding out that one of my best friends and he was like family to my family and he was like family to anyone that met him had a I passed away on a golf course. Uh, he was playing golf with his brother, and it was his brother's birthday that day. Joe was, when you think about people chasing their dreams and trying to live what they think is right for them and be a better version of themselves, that was Joe. He never stopped. In fact, it's a lot of the reason he was, he ended up where he was. Joe at one point got in a very bad car accident. It, it almost took him that day. 
and he had to have countless surgeries to get his face back to normal and get everything straightened out. And But he never gave up. He still went back and forth to California to live his dream and try to be who he thought he was, which was a movie star or a rock star or whatever he decided that day. And Joe at 22, he was 22 years old when he passed. And Joe at 22 had made such an impact on the world and the people around him that the day we had his funeral, there was over a thousand people there. I like to think of this part for me as it's um, kind of a turning point in my life. Um, and at the time I thought it was for the better because I decided that I was going to live like Joe lived. I was going to live to chase my dreams and I was going to become a youth pastor, which was my dream at the time. And I left a job that I had been at for 15 years and went after it. But I hadn't handled anything. And that's the thing that sometimes we can go through life and try to, try to navigate it and do it on our own. But if we don't live up to the law that he has placed for us and elevated for us, then we're not going to get through it eventually. There's going to be a point when stuff starts breaking down and falling through the cracks. The next couple of parts of, um, of what I'm going to talk about are, you're going to have to, you have to bear with me a little bit because um, I was talking, I was actually joking with Kayla before service today that um, outside of tying it to the Sermon on the Mount and the laws that it holds, I've, you know, I've, I've said most of this before. I've said it to the kids that I was over and uh, I said it at the churches that I was at and it, it should be pretty easy. Um, but the next couple parts, I've never said to anyone, you know, besides my, my little circle and, um, you know, so bear with me. Um, when I decided to come to Coastline, it was after one years of Brian begging, just to be clear. I should have been here a long time ago, <laughs> but I was stubborn. But when I left and came here, I had been very hurt by the church. And Brian talks about all the time that Coastline is a church for those that have been hurt by church or those who haven't been believers very long or people that just need to be loved on. That's what Coastline's good at. And I was, I was hurt by my situation when I left. There was a lot of things said. There was things that I feel like could have been handled so much better and there were choices made and the words that were said to others. And that made me just, I don't, I don't think angry is even the right word. I was, I was out of my mind because I, I'd been there for so long. And when you, when you spend five years pouring into people, you feel like you've done something. And for it to end like that, it was really hard. And there was a lot of anger. 
So as everyone that's been here a while knows, I came here and I decided that I was going to lay low. I was going to lay as low as I possibly could and fade into the back and uh, wear all black and never talk to anyone and <laughs> just kind of look as busy as I humanly could at all times. That's not to say that I'm not. I'm always that busy. Don't, don't take that for anything. Something I find very important about all of this leading up to what I'm about to talk about is that when Jesus is talking about anger here, like I said, he's not giving you some kind of law that you can't be angry. If you're angry, you're going to end up in hell, and that's going to be it. He's giving you a warning as to what anger can actually do to you, where it can lead you, how it can, how something as small as just getting angry can change the course of your life. And all of my anger that I had was directed at God. Even through the first part of my time here, I was still really dealing with my anger towards God. And it's okay to admit that. Sometimes you're going to lose faith, and sometimes there's going to be moments where you have a hard time. But I was really angry with God. I hadn't dealt with anything. I believed with my whole heart that he is the one that took my father. He took our first baby. He took my friend. And he took my joy. I blamed it all on God and I hadn't dealt with it. All of this, uh, all of this kind of came to a head in 2020. I'm sure everyone remembers the fun times we had being locked down for COVID, right? We weren't able to meet, we weren't able to hang out, we weren't able to come here and do church. And um, things really, really got out of control in my head at that point. I really feel like the enemy spent a lot of time wearing me down and sending these little reminders that, remember, you feel like God did this. God's, God's the one on the wrong here. I was, I was broken and I was hurt. That helps. <laughs> um, and I was just, I was angry beyond any sort of reason that I could come up with. And uh, at the end of 2020, right towards the end of that year, I came to the conclusion all by myself that my anxiety and my depression wasn't fair for everyone else that was around me. And I had made up in my mind that the world would just be better off without me. I had, uh, I had made up in my mind that the best thing for me and for everyone else was that I should not be here anymore. And I was going to take it upon myself to deal with that.
It's something I can look back on now and understand that it's not a proud moment in my life. I'm not proud to stand up here and tell you that I got to that point. I tell you that to tell you that even at your worst, you're not alone. All of that was directly related to not living to the, the law that Jesus elevated. He elevated this law and fulfilled this law by dying on the cross to save us. We don't, we don't survive without him. And I truly, truly owe my life to a few people and they, they know who they are. that refused to watch me go and continue down this path and um, push me to use my voice to get help. I said context was important right at the beginning of this and uh, I believe it. I believe that context in the Bible is one of the most important things that gets overlooked way too often. And I don't believe that it's any sort of coincidence that before Jesus starts passing out these laws that we're supposed to live by and scaring us to not be angry or things like that, he starts with the Beatitudes. In Matthew 5, 3 through 11, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, well, they, were, they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for there's a great reward for you in heaven. And remember that ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. No matter what you go through, it may be something like mine where it seems like there's not gonna ever be a way out because that's what I felt. I didn't feel like I was ever gonna get out of where I was at. No matter if you make a mistake or feel like you have sinned way too much or any of that, all we have to do is try to live like God. There's no amount of forgiveness you can ask for or help you can ask for, that God won't look down on you and bless you for where you're at. My favorite verse in the entire Bible is John 16, 33. And this is, this is kind of where I'll end. I made it all 27 minutes, look at that. John 16, 33 says, I have told you all of this so you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world.
You're going to mess up. You might, you probably mess up today. You might mess up before you leave the room. You're going to go through stuff that seems impossible. You're going to go through things where you feel like you're not living up to that law that he laid out. He's already overcome it. All you have to do is ask for help. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to worship real quick one more time. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for everything you've done and continue to do at Coastline. God, I pray that you would help those who are hurting or help those who are in need, help those that need you, and let them know that they can ask for help. God, I pray as we go throughout our week that we remember to live according to your law, and that is try to live like Jesus lived. Live with the intention on being better. Live with the intention on fulfilling his law and bringing people to Christ. And God, I thank you for all that you've done in my life. And I pray that you would continue to bless everyone in this room. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.